And I reckon that's about the best place for us to start on what feels like a pretty um, a momentous episode because this is the first time that we have a repeat guest on. It's amazing that, you know, we've been running this ep- this podcast for years. Admittedly, we haven't been doing it every fortnight for years, but we've been running it for years. And this is the first time we've actually invited a guest back. So I don't actually need to do too much of an intro then because we've already uh, had him on the show. <laughs> have, have, you had, have you had lots of ga- gases coming into you, Robin, of who it is? No, no, um, I haven't. <laughs> I reckon I've had about, about 10 people. All oh, right. Uh, yeah, well, who are yeah. they? Before, before we get to them, who are they? Uh, I think the biggest, the biggest vote was for Light Butter. Um, that mm. was probably the most obvious one because we've spoken about it a few times, but it is mm. not Light Butter. No. Uh, yeah, we should have teased it out a bit more, had a few more hints during the week, but um, yeah, yeah, go on ahead, do the announcement. Who are we chatting yeah, to? Yeah, so, so welcome back to the show, Nick Padula, all the way from, we were just talking before the show started, a very wet Sydney. How are you this evening? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me back on. Yeah, it's really it's really good to, to talk to you again. Um, Nick and I were just chatting before the show, just about just catching up on where we're up to, and um yeah, it's it's just going to I think it's going to be a completely different show tonight because as I said this is the first time we're getting to do it um on repeat. So um so the, you you were on about 3 years ago was it Nick? It must have been something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. don't know the the exact dates, but um yeah, that was before you were on the show, so it's nice mm-hmm. to get to chat with you. Yeah, finally good to see you face to face rather than yeah. just through Instagram chats. <laughs> I was actually, that was going to be on one of my questions is, have you got, because Brian, you are very connected in the industry. Have you guys ever met before in person? No, only only through social. Yep. Yeah, right. But, um, okay. But yeah, we've, we've chatted a fair bit over the years. Yeah. So one of the things that I've definitely noticed is, Nick, your career, outwardly facing anyway, has just it feels like it has just exploded over the last 12 months. Um, do you feel like that's happening? Um, I definitely feel like I'm working harder than I've ever worked before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm definitely, I'm noticing that finally after six years of business, I'm now able to implement the ideas that I've been wanting to implement for a long mm. time. Um, and anyone that runs a business knows that you can't necessarily do everything you want to do when you first start. You kind of get your foundations done right. You need to develop a clientele and a following and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like I'm finally where I want to be. And now the future is looking kind of even brighter for where I want to go, which is great. Yeah. The one of the main areas that I've noticed it is with your YouTube videos, and I remember when we had you on the show last. I, I can't remember if we talked about it in the show or we talked about it on the episode afterwards, but I distinctly remember saying Nick's videos deserve more. They deserve more credit because they are great videos, and we talked about it just being a matter of time before your videos get in front of the right people, and then the algorithm picks it up and it, it, it snowballs from there. Because I've noticed that your videos have suddenly gone from 
decent views to good views and a consistent mm -hmm. number of views. And it's yeah. so cool to see when someone's a, 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 a an amazing woodworker, b putting out good videos, and then when that doesn't get rewarded, oh man, it burns. <laughs> so to finally see yeah. you getting that is just amazing. So are you? What what's your what's your do you have a release schedule or is it just whenever you whenever you finish a project? Um, as much as I'd like to have a release schedule at the moment, it's just too difficult because the number one priority with me is my business um, and getting client work done. So getting videos done on top of that is very complicated. It's a lot of work, a lot of extra work on top of an already very busy schedule. Uh, but I am moving more towards getting more videos out, um, more entertaining videos and more videos that, granted, I don't necessarily talk during my videos to give you an idea of what it is that I'm doing. From what I'm gathering from the comments and everything that I'm getting, people are learning a lot from my videos and that's unreal to me. So I want to cont continue doing it in the hopes to people can get an inside look to a professional workshop. I don't think it's any harm that you don't talk in your in your videos. Like, no. I think there's something quite nice about just switching off and watching. And yeah. the fact that so many woodworkers are quite visual people, you can tell somebody this is how you do it, but until you actually just see it being done, I, I find that's the way I learn way better anyway. Yeah, and me too. I mean, and this is the way that I want to continue doing my videos. Mm. Because the whole point behind it, like my editing style and my, like the way I put music into the videos and everything, like it's done in a way that I suppose it's how I feel when I'm woodworking. And most of the time it's a relaxed process. Mm. I'm in the right headspace. I'm listening to music. Um, I'm just trying to give people that sort of an insight into how I work. Yeah. What what number of projects do you reckon you'd film? Would it be like one out of every three, or one out of one out of every no, five or ten? Close. Huh? I think I've only got twelve videos. Oh right, okay. I thought you had more than that. Twelve or thirteen or something. Not Maybe I just get them. So. And um, and that's where it's so interesting because from a from a YouTube YouTube algorithm perspective, you're not following a schedule and you've got very few videos. Yeah. So that is just a recipe for this isn't going to work. <laughs> but you've got it in the yep. front of the people who are. Who me, are Rob, and I'm more surprised <laughs> than anyone, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you've you, you've got the good quality content in front of people, and they're appreciating it. So, oh man, credit to you. Well, I think people just they want to see an inside look to a professional shop. Mm. Um, we've all seen river tables and resin tables and all that stuff, and. As good as that is, and entertaining as that is, I think people want to see other things too. And it's got such a professional quality, which you've, again, going back to the last time we spoke, you've kept that from the first time we met. You've always had that. You know, if you go to your Instagram page and you look at your, if you just look at it from a, from a color perspective, all of your images, it is just consistent it is beautifully consistent all of the tones everything is consistent and then you you hop over to the videos and they just the the, the journey continues from instagram over onto the videos this perfectly color balance everything it's it's all it's all so 
professional and consistent and and I think that's what you know you're talking about people just want to watch and not necessarily listen they don't you don't need to add a character to that you don't need to add a, a persona mm. to that because it just looks like you're watching a professional a professional story yeah thank you it's awesome yeah um the la- talking about the Instagram the last thing that you you've had post up there is your bench and and mm-hmm. I and I really want to try and hit on that because that's your latest video as well um, have you received a lot of good comments on the video or just on on socials in general about it yeah I have yeah um, yeah it's funny I don't build bench seats very often in fact I only did my first one for the first time in many years beginning of this year um, and then that was for a client I posted that on Instagram and then straight away a, another client said they wanted one so I designed a new one which is the video that you guys may have seen my most recent video and then I decided to take it to a whole new level and build another bench seat that I haven't actually posted on my socials yet but I've entered it into the wood review um, I was just about to raise that <laughs> I was like yeah. when is that when is that video coming out <laughs> um as soon as it can. That, that has Holy. been filmed. There is a video, but it's probably going to take a couple of months before I get the time to actually get it out. Yeah. That um, is a pretty big departure from the style of your normal worker. Like, it is incredible. Yeah, that was, um, that was something that I felt needed to push some boundaries for me personally. Um, and it's a style that I've always wanted to try and attempt to do i mean brian i'm sure you can see a lot of joseph walsh yeah i was gonna say that yeah you can definitely see a bit of influence in there yeah so he's my favorite furniture maker um and ever since finding out about his work 10 years ago or so um it's just blown my mind that you can do that with wood i'm like how is that possible and I finally sort of had the chance to explore that a little bit just through my own sort of tests and um, sort of experiments and yeah, I, I don't know if this is how, I don't know if the way that I've done it is the way that he does it, but this is sort of my representation and my, my way of doing it and it worked surprisingly well, to be honest. Yeah. No, it really does look amazing. Like the balance of it is is lovely. Um, I don't know if you've listened to the episode. I think I've spoken about it in a couple of episodes, but I went to his workshop in Cork uh, pre-pandemic, so 2019 or 2018. Wow. And um, yeah, he's quite protective of the methods that he uses. Mm -hmm. So you go on the open days, there's no photographs to be taken. A lot of the jigs are, you know, sort of in different rooms so you just see what's being made but um but yeah he's trying to keep his ip in there um, yeah and that's totally understandable to- i think 100 percent. Um, yeah yeah me personally like I, I, the way i've done it is a really basic way and in all honesty we've we probably could all figure it out. I mean, yeah. all it is is determination. I'm glad right? you think so because when, when <laughs> easy, Robin, just you know, twenty minutes and Robin will be all over. When I first saw the picture, my brain just melted. 
just just before you go any further, Nick, just to give people some some context here, it is a flat top with a uh, not a waterfall edge on one side, but it's sort of a, a squarish edge on one side, and then it just just from there you essentially have this ribbon effect of of mm -hmm. timber curved around it and that curved timber there's a it looks like a few pieces uh that makes up the leg on the other side and where yep. those joints happen is is very discreet i would say so yeah mm -hmm. continue tell us how easy it is to yeah. figure that out well <laughs> at, at the end of the day like i mean we've all heard of bent lamination before we've all done that sort of work before i'm pretty sure and it's just that times 100 mm. <laughs> essentially and you throw in a vacuum bag as well um that allows everything to clamp itself firmly together um yeah it's just a matter of sort of figuring out each and every process but realistically like felt like I was missing something when I was going through the planning stages. Well, sorry, I thought that I had it all planned out. And then as I was pulling it all off, I'm like, I've got to be missing something here. This is actually working out a lot better than what I thought. Um, and the amazing thing is like, I've walked away from that with a new skill set that I can now put into work in the future. And that's, insanely exciting man. like i've been doing this for nearly 30 years woodworking for nearly 30 years and it's so awesome to still get so excited about something mm -hmm. is that a is the piece is the piece for sale or is it just self-commissioned and keep not it in the workshop so this is a piece yeah. that i built for myself um yeah. and now it's just a matter of like making that piece work for me like when i build certain pieces it's always for a client usually. So, okay, yes, you get paid for that piece, but now how do you make that piece work for you? Yeah. Put it up on your website, try and get more work in from that piece, make a video of it, and get paid through YouTube ad revenue or whatever. Yep. Um, try and make it work for you as much as possible. So that's what this piece is now going to do for me. I have a feeling that that video is going to oh, crush it. It's going to explode. It's the sort of thing that it... Because you do see a bit of bent lamb stuff on YouTube, but a lot of it tends to be that kind of just flat two-dimensional stuff, like mm -hmm. fairly simple mm -hmm. bends. But when you start to get into complex curves like that and vacuum bagging, yep. um, I think it's really gonna it's gonna hit a point um, with a mm -hmm. lot of furniture makers that are they see it. Like I've seen it, and I've seen how I've seen the jigs that he um, that Joseph Walls uses, but I've always gone how would I make that cost effective in my business? Mm. Like, um, you know, his chairs are sort of 18, 18 to 20,000 euro mm -hmm. for a dining chair. Yep. I'm like, well, how do you get to the point where you can sell a dining chair for 20,000 euro? Um, he's, like, he's working on a very different level. I mean, yep, he's not yep. just a furniture maker, he's an artist. Yep. There's a there's a different sort of price point. I, I, I would look at, I would look at a, I would. I don't know. But I would look at a piece like your bench, and I would say that definitely falls more into into art than furniture. Yeah, that was the intention behind it. I wanted yeah. more of a sculpture than a um, normal piece of furniture. Yeah. So, would you take it on as a commissioned piece, or is it just not? It, it, let's let's ignore. 
price for it for a second. Is it something mm -hmm. that you want to stay as a one-off, or is it something that you would potentially do for someone else? Um, I wouldn't make it again. I would sell that piece, perhaps. Mm. Um, in all honesty, part of me wants to just keep it here so I can see how it's going to fare over the next 12 months. Mm. Yep. Um, but, you know, honestly, Rob, I, I hate building shit twice, so I, I wouldn't <laughs> build that again. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, like, I build a lot of jigs to produce my work. And you think that the amount of effort you put into jigs, that you're going to use it a hundred times over. And a lot of jigs I do, I can always find, like, another use for it, but most of my jigs really just get taken apart and then put back into the board rack to get used for another day. Mm. Like the parts to get used for another day, you know? Yeah. I mean, I worked on a production line when I was an apprentice, so I know what it's like to repeat, to do repetitive work. And I, um, after I finished my apprenticeship, I vowed never to do that again. That's right. We talked about <laughs> making cabinets. It was either cabinets or drawers the last time. And draw boxes. Draw boxes. Yeah. And you said that was you were essentially a, a robot. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say, Brian? Uh, can't remember. I'm operating off about three hours sleep, so <laughs> a little bit hazier now. Uh, it's, it's Ash, is it, the bench? Ash, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's amazing. What's it like to sit on? Does it have a bit of spring to it? No spring whatsoever. So it's those... You that was going to be my question, Robin. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you can jump up and down on it and it doesn't go anywhere. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. I thought it would have definitely had, just looking at the weights. There was, there was always a concern for it, yes, but it's also included... It was sort of thought of within the design. If um, anyone wants to have a look at some pictures of it, go to Wood Reviews' mm. Instagram page. But you'll notice that the leg on the left-hand side of the bench seat has basically three curves to it. And you have the first curve that basically, that is the main leg that touches the floor. That's what's supporting the left-hand side of the bench seat. And then the second curve reinforces that first curve. Yep. So that stops any extra flex coming Which, out of it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Because that's one of the... Because um, I've made a chair once with, um, in the past with a the, with the curve on it. And it oh, admittedly wasn't as complex as this. So they weren't curved, reinforcing curves, as you say. But one of the nice things about working with, with bent timber like that, in my case it was steam bent and then, and then laminated, is because there tends to be a bit of flex in it this chair which has got your four legs will just adapt to any uneven surface so even though it's four legs mm. it's always solid on the yep. ground which i would have assumed that this would have gone the same right it's a it's a it's a good way to get around those uneven surfaces there's actually so little flex in it that is if it does actually sit on an uneven floor it rocks mm. yeah crazy yep. That's amazing. So it's essentially a cabinet. <laughs> it's the sturdiness of a cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Go, everyone <laughs> listening, stop what you're doing, turn off the podcast, but make sure to come back later because you know, we, we need that, that attention. 
and uh, go check out Wood Reviews on the Instagram page or woodreview.com.au and you'll find it there. There's actually there's a whole bunch of entries in there, and um, one yeah, of the things really that cool I, ones, yeah. I, yeah, one of the things I love about this competition is the the range. You can see all the different um, uh, sort of levels that enter the competition, which is it's it's really cool to see. Mm. Yeah, and the clients wise. Um, Mainly New South Wales based clients. Are you getting a lot of interstate work or overseas work? Uh, so I do get a lot of inquiries from overseas. Yeah, purely and because you... of the YouTube channel. But yep. I am not ready to take that leap yep. just yet. Yep. Um, I have a quite an over analytical mind, so I start seeing issues before or if they even sort of happen. So yep. At this point in time, I'm a little bit too nervous about that, but I do quite a bit of um, interstate work as well, um, which quite a few of my pieces have been sent to uh, Melbourne. Um, I just sent a few pieces up to Brisbane two weeks ago. I've got another piece going to Bellingen, which is still New South Wales, but my um, partner and I will hopefully actually deliver that in person, get away for a few days and... Mm. Yeah, so there's work all around, which is which is great because I used to think that, I mean, being in Sydney, it's a perfect market for selling high-end furniture. But in all honesty, I, I feel like I could be doing this exact thing in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, 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 which is great. Much, much like the kind of the Joseph Walsh model of you know, make the clients come to you. Yeah, yeah, mm. and I mean. Realistically speaking, people are happy. You're already paying X amount for a piece of furniture. They're kind of happy to chuck on an extra bit of money for some for a delivery cost as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you have anybody in the workshop that helps you, or fully solo? No, it's just me. Fully solo. How many hours are in your day? Like, is it thirty six or like? How do you how do you actually <laughs> I, get I, I through? Hope you to say in a week running right. a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> It's, a, it's is... a lot of work, but it all comes down to processes. So I'm yeah. quite strict in the way that I do things. Um, so essentially, like my my day, if I am filming a piece, the way that it works is I'll come in in the morning. I might answer some like urgent emails um, or say emails for clients. They're the only ones that I'll do throughout the week. Otherwise, all my emails are done on Tuesday. All my office work is done on Tuesday. Every other day is for building and editing. Why Tuesday? Um, so, sorry? Why Tuesday? Is there a significance in Tuesday? Uh, because I take Mondays off. Ah, gotcha. Uh, and I work over the weekend. So okay. Saturdays and Sundays are actually where I get the most work done because there's absolutely no distractions. There's no calls. There's no deliveries. There's no nothing. Mm. Um, and then my girlfriend and I both take Monday off, so that means no traffic, no queues, no nothing. You know, we have the day to ourselves, which is great. Um, so yeah, Tuesday is the first day of the week for me. Um, so I come in, do all the emails, all that kind of stuff, uh, and then any leftover time is in the shop. But any other day, I'm in the workshop in the morning. Any urgent emails, and then straight on the tools. If I'm filming, 
you're doing your filming and you're building throughout the day and then I'll finish usually at like five, six o'clock, go home, have dinner and I'll edit the footage from that day. Mm. So that might take say half an hour of my time. And then you accumulate that over say like a one to two week period of however long that build takes. And then by the end of it, you essentially have a video ready to go almost. Yeah. It surprised me to hear you say that you go that route because the the uh, the emotional tone of the videos are so consistent. But I guess again that plays back to your that's the the, the um, energy in the shop, so it just continues through. But that's always you, you you listen to a lot of woodworkers that can choose to go either way. You either edit on the go, or you edit at the end. And you often hear people say. If they are telling a story, the edit has to happen at the end, because that's where you can, you can you can start the story from the beginning and work through to the end. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I actually do agree with that, and what I should have included as well. Like, you gotta know that by the end of each day, I might have four hours worth of footage to edit through. Five hours worth of footage sometimes. So that night is just cutting down that footage say four hours worth of footage into say two minutes three minutes and that's just getting rid of all the wasted yeah, time okay, right. of like me standing around scratching my head swearing because i made a mistake <laughs> or whatever yeah. um and then at the end of the build you have all the rough edit done and then it's time to like that's a creative time for me like you just now focus on developing a story behind the video um, and you put in the music and then that's where you get a bit of emotion from and all that kind of stuff. But what a lot of people might not realise is like when you're building a piece of furniture, it doesn't happen in this like consecutive way. Like you might work on one section and then glue that up, have to go to another section and then come back to the original section and you're jumping around constantly when you're making a piece of furniture. But if you edit a video like that, it's it's not going to be very flowing. It's going to be sort of all over the place. Yeah. So that's when the sort of creative side starts coming into it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the creative side, have you done any training in videography or lighting, or like uh, how how did you how did you achieve the consistency that Robin's talking about in your feed? Um, um, was it just through like was it just through research or? Have you actually yeah. done a, a course? Research on? and being obsessed yeah. about things. <laughs> <laughs> There's kind of a um, theme here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... So I started my business back in 2016 and I always knew that when I started the business I would have to start taking photos and I I wanted to start taking videos. So I had no idea how to use a camera. Um, I didn't know how to take video. I uh, didn't know how to edit so since then it's just been a slow a progression of trying to get better and better and better at it you nearly said slow progression didn't you <laughs> it was it started out very slow i do not believe that but i'll, I'll be like honest you. with you i'm a very slow learner but once okay. i get the understanding behind something then i kind of go a bit crazy with it yeah so those shots that you took for the the bench on for the competition were those done by you at a location yep. of your choice? That's in my workshop. Oh, okay, right. See, this, is what I, this is what I'm talking about, Rob. <laughs> like, you, yeah. To achieve that level of lighting in a workshop is um, 
is pretty impressive. So I do actually have a photo wall in my yep. shop. So it's got like storage and workbenches and stuff in front of it, and they're all on wheels. You wheel those out of the way. One of the walls is black, which is yep. that's the one with the black paneling. Yep. Yep. And then that wall opens up to a white wall. Ah, right. Okay. Yep. And do you. So you do you shoot at night, or do you have a way of cutting out all the daylight, or do you just overpower it with, yep. with like flashlights? Or so there's in the area of my shop that I take the photos. There's no windows around. Yep. The only windows are on the other side, so it doesn't really have any natural light bleed through. So all the shop lights get turned off, and then I set up my own photography lights. Yeah. Yep. That is the biggest tip I would give to anybody who's sort of just getting into if if they don't have the money to pay a photographer is to accept that daylight is not your friend when it comes to shooting um shooting timber. Like I think mm -hmm. once you put a finish on it and daylight hits it, you lose so much of the the depth of the timber. Mm -hmm. Um whereas in yours you can like it's absolutely stunning. And then editing goes a long way too. Yep. So I do edit yep. my photos, um, not to the point where it's actually changing anything. You know, like it, in all honesty, when the photo comes out of my camera, it looks nothing like the actual piece itself. Mm. Yep. Uh, so the editing is essentially just to, um, to say, get rid of any dust that might be around and then also to try and get the colors as accurate as possible to the actual yep. piece itself. Yep. Yeah, and luckily with photography, uh, the shutter speed is at your your beck and call, so you can change it to whatever exactly. you need that to be. Yeah, filming gets a little bit trickier, but yeah, with photography, because yeah. it's just got such a professional feel. And and we've talked on the show in the past about how woodworkers on Instagram go to a very specific look everyone and and this this is not me knocking it but it it is a it is a thing that we do we have a white background and we have the piece and it's lit in a very dramatic way and that's what we do and mm -hmm. i think if you get it right it's fine but you can pick up when someone's attempted that they've attempted to get that look and they've done it you know whether it's either on the cheap or because they're still learning and it just blows the whole the whole illusion out the water and it's terrible so if you can get that right like what your pictures are it just it just instantly sells what you're doing mm -hmm. and it's to me it's just another creative element like ev everything that i do in this business is because i enjoy doing it um and that takes a lot of work to be able to get to that point but the things that i'm building are my designs and they're for clients um, so I've got, I mean, we both have a say in what it's going to kind of look like, but that is my creation. And then the same goes with taking the photos. They're the way I want to see the piece. I get full control over that. And then the same goes with the videos. Um, so it's all creative processes for me. And it's a fun way to be able to, yeah, delve further into the creative process using one piece of furniture and getting so many different creative elements out of it is very mm. exciting to me. It's a good way to look at it. I've asked this question to a few different guests, but do, do you think that 
you would be better off uh, releasing control on some things and once you know how to do it and you know that somebody else can do it quicker would you look at outsourcing parts of your business or do you think that by having total control of every element in it it's not just more satisfying to you but it sells the entire brand because it is all you it's something uh, I have a problem with like I don't I definitely don't outsource enough stuff look I, I think doing the way I do things is silly <laughs> <laughs> doing everything yourself is not the smartest way to run a business the creative side of things I I do it like I said because I enjoy it so I wouldn't outsource yeah. it because then I'm missing out on the fun stuff yeah but the other side of things like all the office work and the sanding and sometimes the finishing and that kind of stuff can definitely get outsourced but the way that I'm trying to figure things out uh, and it's slowly slowly working but it's trying to get more out of less essentially like I don't need to build the amount that I needed to build back when I started yep um, I'm still building a lot I mean I've just finished building three pieces at the same time um, but it's a lot better than what it used to be and I'm hoping that it's going to continue to go down that path where I can just enjoy running my business and I can have hands in on everything and um, yeah, really just have creative control and not be stressed out, basically. Yeah. 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 Do you think it's going to continue that way? Um, or, or maybe that's not the, not the right question. When, when we talk to when uh, we talk to Joey about this we've we've often talked about ke keeping the business at a particular size to allow you to do that mm -hmm. so with the way things have been growing and and you know business is good is it going to continue are, is it are you going to be able to keep this control with the business growing or do you feel like you're going to have to pull back a little bit in order to keep that it depends what you kind of mean on growing. I think everyone's definition of growth is more work, more money, more employees. Um, the more money side is definitely where I want to be, for sure. But I think there are, these days there's other ways to be able to achieve it. So the growth side of things for me is wanting to get better at what I do, build crazier and crazier shit, I want to build more of that bench seat with the crazy curves and everything. What that means is figuring out a way to market it, figuring out a way to get paid for that. Um, I think YouTube is an avenue to be able to do it. Don't get me wrong, you don't get paid much from YouTube. Ad revenue is nothing and it's not worth what you get paid from that, but there are other ways to be able to make some money. Um, and it's going to be a matter of moving in that sort of a direction and that will be my definition of growth to be able to creatively push my brand to a point where it's reaching the right people to be able to get paid in a different way than having to put in your blood sweat and tears mm. um, to, to be able to reach people on a different level and I think part of that is through education um, teaching people tricks of the trade and what I've learned in my 20 years in the industry 
Um, and for other people that might mean, yeah, having more clientele, putting on more employees. But for me, that's not where I see myself right now. It's very, very interesting. Like the terminology that you use is different to some of the other guests that we've had on. Not, not that one's right or wrong, but when they talk about driving forward, they talk about driving their business forward, and you mm-hmm. say driving my brand forward. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really clear thing. It's something that I was quite conscious of, and again, probably just because Lanny, my wife, works in strategy and advertising and thing, and it was always to me about the brand. Um, it was never about a business. Mm-hmm. So like the idea of forecasting and trying to get employees on board and trying to grow in size was never uh, never something that excited me either. I was always the same view as you. I want to I want to do better work. I want to get the clients that are happy to pay not not pay an exorbitant amount of furniture but pay what it's worth mm-hmm. without any haggling or anything like that and I think yep. you can just see it really clearly the path that you've made in six years that you're now at a point where your profile will just bring work and it's backed up and maybe like you know Instagram is not a sales uh, revenue for me like I, mm-hmm. I do not get inquiries through Instagram but I send potential clients to my Instagram account where they will see how it's made Yep. And I think that's the same sort of thing that your YouTube channel does for you. you, yep. know, you know, like hundred like clients will go to your YouTube channel and they'll be like, shit, this looks professional as anything. They'll see that it's had hundreds of thousands of views and I think I think it's just a really, really smart way to to build your brand, exactly like you're saying, building a brand is not building a business. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like I think we can all take away, like as furniture makers and throughout my experience of being a furniture maker, whenever I tell somebody that I am a furniture maker, the look in their eyes change, like the conversation shifts. It's for whatever reason they are interested in what you have to say. And I think it is because everyone has some sort of a story to do with a furniture maker, a woodworker, they knew someone that had a workshop, yet my grandfather used to build things, oh, my grandfather's old hand plane or something. Somehow people can relate to other people that use their hands to build things. So this is why, like, I guess people watching videos on YouTube, they're brought into that process or on Instagram, they're brought into the process and there is like a romanticism about what we do as a career and... I think if we can kind of tap into that for our clients, it's just going to make their buying process and like their their experience way, way better. Um, it's the reason why I like to have my clients, if they're from Sydney, to bring them into the workshop so they can smell the workshop, they can see what I'm working on, they can see the timber that I'm going to use for their project. It is, it's a process for everyone and it's great to bring everyone along. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a really good way to look at it. Um, that's what the other Nick was saying um, a couple of weeks ago as well. He had a very similar, um, when we were talking about uh, boat building, he had a very similar vibe where it was, it's all about, it's a journey. It's a, it's a selling your clients on not just the end product. There's so much more to it. And 
it's a really really mm-hmm. good way to look at it i really like that um, now i'm just conscious of time because we're coming up to it and well, we've got about maybe 10 more minutes so workshop the last time we talked we all had a good laugh about how clean and tidy your workshop was all the time nick <laughs> <laughs> has anything changed oh you don't want to see it right now uh, it's a mess right now but like i said i have just finished building three pieces um what what you see in my videos is a fresh a fresh shop okay so <laughs> doesn't always look like that and but in- i do have a rule that's at the end of each sort of big job i do a complete reset put everything back in its place do a sweep up um clean everything up because that allows me to approach the next job with a fresh mind yeah um and I find that at the end of every big job, I'm a little bit stressed out because I can't find that pencil. And I yep. swear I have 50 pencils, but mm-hmm. I can't find any of them. And I can't find the square. And that waste of time just really, really annoys me. Gets you out of so the So a, a workshop reset is incredibly important. Yeah, right. And in terms of tools or just the workshop in general, has it changed or progressed much yeah, over the last yeah, three years? Definitely, it has. Um, I do have some new tools. I don't know what it would be now. Um, but I have put in a new rule in the last two years that if I want a new machine, I have to sell an old one because otherwise I just spend all my profit on <laughs> new tools. So it's, it's it, it works actually really quite well because it makes me really think about the purchase yeah. and it also makes me really think about how my shop is currently running. Do I need that tool? I haven't used it in 12 in twelve months, so let's get rid of it. I need this other tool more. So mm. um, it's an effective way to to keep my shop in the right flow. Um, one of the, I guess, one of the more recent purchases I bought was the um, VacuPress for um, for veneering and pressing, and that's the tool that allowed me to make that bench seat that I recently made, mm. um, which that thing is just unbelievable. I absolutely love it. But yeah, there's always something, always something new that I want. The, yeah. the, the press. I was, I was going to ask it. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, you're going to have Rob. I was just going to ask if it's, um, was it, did you do much research into that? Is it a, I know you get the hand pump ones, but I'm assuming it's not one of those. Um, tell us more no, about that. A lot of research, and anyone that knows the brand VacuPress over here in Australia, you're looking at paying, from memory, like two grand for one of them. Oh, so VacuPress is the actual, it's not a, okay, gotcha. It's, I'm, it's I'm a not brand. very familiar with it. I believe that's what it's called, right, Brian? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. So, to be honest, I couldn't justify spending the money on something that I'd never used before. So I did a quick Gumtree search and found one in Western Australia from a deceased estate for 400 bucks. Oh. So I mm. jumped on that and it's in perfect condition and I've used it on pretty much every single job since. But amazing. I'm, I'm what looking a find. for a reason to use it. It's just such an amazing thing to have. Now having used one, I would 100% spend the money. If that ever broke for whatever reason, I'd 100% buy another one. Yep. Yeah, cool. I was going to ask you about your slab master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that thing looks awesome. <laughs> it's exactly what we talked about three years ago. 
Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I'll have to go back and revisit. Um, no, that's a that's a unbelievable tool to have. It, it's for what I'm doing now. Um, it's still a great thing to have if I ever need to um, flatten boards that are over eight inches, which is what my jointer is. Yep. But it's primarily used for slab work. So if you're doing wide slabs, yep. or you could even mill down wide tabletops. If but you use, you use it for glue-ups as well, don't you? That's what I use it for partly, yeah. Right. But otherwise, okay. yeah, it's, it's still a way to joint wide boards um, yep. or flatten wide boards. But, yeah, it, it's not really being used for um, the total potential that it can be used for. But that's yep. because I have shifted in the way that I build and design things now. Yep. And uh, no. projects coming up, is there anything, I mean, I appreciate that you, you've got your hands full or had your hands full with this bench, but is there anything mm -hmm. else exciting coming up that you, you're working on? Yeah, so I, I just finished what, a hall table, a sideboard and a record cabinet. Um, so they'll go out this week. I'm about to start an entire fit out for an apartment. So like all the furniture for the apartment. So you're talking about two beds, a dining table, two display cases, an entry hall table, of, yeah, a lot. Um, oh, wow. Then after that, I've got another record cabinet, which I'm pretty excited about, and then a dining table. And that's actually pretty much going to carry me on to the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And then I've got more work to come back to next year. I'll be book I'm booked out till February. Um, and I stopped taking work on a couple of months ago. Just because it gets to a point where I can't continue quoting and designing because I need to focus on the work that I'm building. So now every single day, it's a lead an eight, at least an eight-hour day on the tools, um, mm. and that'll be the way to the end of the year. Now, yep. Yeah, you might get one more video out of that stuff. The next record cabinet might be a video. Yeah. And the um, the apartment is that just um, is that uh, all going to be done in the same um, style, the same um, yes, the same look. So they're done by a local designer. Yeah, gotcha. Um, yeah, so I won't take credit for those. Um, but yeah, all very similar style, really nice. Um, a lot out of it's all out of American oak, and half of them are stained black, half of them are kept natural. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Cool. Pretty excited. Yeah. All right, oh. It's, um, yeah, like, like I said, um, love your stuff. Like, I really do. Uh, there's so many makers out there that I really, like, I really like their work, other Australian makers. But I think there's something about yours that you just don't know what's coming next because the style is, like, it just changes. It changes, but then, again, going back to the fact that you your business is presented in such a, like with such continuity to it, that you see links across it, even though stylistically every piece is very, very different. And yeah, just keep going, man. Love, Cheers. love seeing it. Yeah. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah, and thanks again for coming on the show. It's uh, <laughs> Well, thank you for having me. It's a shame Joey couldn't be here, but. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, hope, hopefully it won't be three years until the next um, 
<laughs> well, next time we do well, it again. But, uh, I'll come back on whenever, guys. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Awesome. Good, all right, well, thanks again, Nick. Take care. All the best for the future. And to everyone out there, out there listening, Nick Padula, go check it out on Instagram. Um, yeah, it's an absolute treat. Cool. Thank you. Right up. See you, Nick. S- see you guys. Bye. Bye. Yeah.